A good Sunday morning to you. I hope everybody having a blessed day as this is the um, devotional podcast version of our sermon. I hope it finds you well today. Our message is based in Genesis 16 today. So how many of us have heard of Helen Keller? Helen Keller, who of course was blind and deaf, and uh, she she made a statement and said, I'm looking forward to commencement day, talking about her graduation from Radcliffe College. The question now is, what shall I do with this education and these opportunities? I feel that I could impart to a child affected like myself the power to see with the soul and understand with the heart. All the needs and difficulties would be intelligible to me since I know the darkness they see and the stillness they hear. I know the road they must travel. I have traveled. I know where the rough places are and how to help them over them. Now, I find that to be a very touching statement being made by Helen. But what we recognize here is the story in Genesis 16, Hagar. Hagar is going to experience some rough places, but Jesus knows where she is. He knows what can get her through the coming storm. And I want to kind of talk about that today and, and, and really as it approaches us, all of us. But verse 1 here in Genesis chapter 16 says, Abram's wife Sarai had not born any children for him, but she owned an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So we know who Hagar is, and Sarai is Abram's wife, and she had not born any children so her real need was to trust in God's promises, as we talked about last week. But look, life is like walking into getting stuck in quicksand. Quicksand is just sand and water. The problem is that the water loosens up the sand, so the sand is not compact and there is nothing to stand on. Now, the realities of quicksand is that the way you see it in cartoons, the way that it's been talked about, Princess Bride, a number of different things, uh, led me to believe we'd have more of a problem with quicksand than we do. But, but here's the thing. The problem is when a person gets stuck in quicksand, the harder they try to get out, the faster they go under. See, the solution is someone standing outside the quicksand, sewing, throwing you a rope. You hang on, they pull you out. And until that person comes, all you have to do is relax, quit fighting, and quit trying to pull yourself out. And God has told us that life has its quicksand moments. He, he's promised to pull us out before we go under. And Abram and Sarai are in that, they're, they're up to their neck in quicksand, so to speak. The problem is that they are struggling and trying hard to get out. They're they're trying Eleazar. They're trying Hagar. They don't. They're not waiting. They're, they're not waiting. Remember I talked about that just wait on the Lord. Uh, many times over the last few weeks. In God's timetable. He pulls them out. And they have Isaac. But they're not willing to wait right away. Hagar's name is important. She had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. Uh, 
Her name means to flee, and she is rightly named, folks. She apparently had fled with Abram and Sarai when they left Egypt. She's now about to flee from Sarai, and later she will flee again in chapter 21. She was unattached, to say the least. She didn't seem to belong at anywhere. Have you ever seen a, a gravestone that says sleeps but rests not? Loved but was not, was loved not. Tried to please but pleased not. Died as she lived alone. You know, I can remember a woman telling my dad one time. She called him at the radio station and she said, no one will be at my funeral. You know, what was sadder is that they weren't. She had made enemies her entire life. She, had, she was unattached. There was maybe three people at her funeral aside from dad in the funeral home. When they got to the graveside, it was just dad. He still did the graveside service, but many people feel unattached in this world. They don't seem to fit in with anyone. In fact, I've never really fit in too well myself. And I can look at the, un I mean, I can look at the evidence just of me at 40 years old, unmarried, unaffiliated, unattached. I'm not attached to those commitments that many make in this life. When it comes to politics, I'm unaffiliated, which makes me an enemy of both sides. I'm unmarried, which is a difficult task, especially in ministry. You know, some would say I'm attached to my job and that unattaches me from everything else. But the reality is Hagar was unattached and many times we are as well. In verse two, Sarah says to Abram, now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. But who's missing in this conversation? Who is missing from this conversation? Well, Sarah's persuading him. She did believe in God's sovereignty, right? The Lord has restrained me, and he had. She was barren. She believed in the authority of her society, go into my maid. So she held to tradition. It was acceptable in that society for a man whose wife was unable to have children to take on a secondary wife in order to carry on the family line. But just because society approves of something does not mean that it's God's will. In our society, the homosexual is honored. Abortion is not illegal. The government has taken the place of God. And we can go on and on and on about the things that the government has allowed. Look, we're honoring sinful lifestyles in our world today, and it's because society is accepting of them. Not one time do we need to change society to match up with God's word. We need to live God's word. Pray for those who are caught up in societal norms, but it doesn't mean that it's God's will if society is making it thus. Societal norms are not God's will. When will we learn that God doesn't need our help to bring about his promises to us? Chuck Smith said that Sarah suggested the use of Hagar, the handmaiden, as a means by which she could help God fulfill the promise of a son to Abram. You know, 
Many times I've put myself in the position of God's little helper. I gave him an opportunity to work. I gave him a deadline. Here we find Sarah saying, look, Abram, let's give up. Let's, it's not going to happen for me. Let's help God out. But the minute God needs my help, he's in big trouble. The opposite is true. I need his help continually, but he never, ever needs mine. And he didn't need Sarah's. God had a plan. And just because society said that her plan was okay, did not mean that it was God's will. But we can't ignore the next part of this. We can't ignore that Abram gave his permission. It says he heeded her voice. He just has come off of this great deliverance. God really reconvincing him that everything is going to be okay. That it would be by his seed that he had children. And here the devil has found another way to twist things. And say, well, it's still your seed. It's just not your wife. No. God was clear when he said a child would come from Abram. And his wife was one with him because of the way marriage was intended by God. Therefore, it was to be he and Sarah. And then we've got, a, we've got Hagar's input. Which was none. Hagar had no input. In this situation. Hagar had no input. Think of how she must felt. Nobody sought her opinion. What she thinks, feels, or wants is never taken into consideration. Now, some would probably argue that, well, she's their handmaiden. She's their servant. So, therefore, she had no rights beyond that other than what they told her to do. But her thoughts were never taken into consideration it was unasked so to speak so she was she was working through this she was unattached she was unasked about how she felt chuck swindoll's wife struggled with depression for years and wrote Depression, black as a thousand midnights in a cypress swamp. Loneliness that is indescribable. Confusing regarding God. Frustration with life and circumstances. The feeling that you have been abandoned, that you are worthless. The pain is excruciating. And I'm sure Hagar felt that way. And so did Job, if you look in Job chapter 3 for that matter. She was unattached. She was unasked. And she was unloved. I can go to verses 3 and 4 and see that Abram's wife Sarah took Hagar to her Egyptian, took Hagar, her Egyptian slave, and gave her to her husband Abram as a wife. This happened after Abram had lived in the land of Canaan 10 years. He slept with Hagar. She became pregnant. When she saw that she was pregnant, her mistress became contemptible to her. Look, God created sex as an expression of of marital love not a one night stand so as to produce an offspring for another woman Hagar was not treated as a wife now biblically speaking this sex be means Hagar becomes his wife but used and abused for this experiment so to speak between Abram and Sarah like Leah who was made to get into the wedding bed with Jacob when he thought 
it was her sister Rachel. You know, in Genesis 29, we see that story that Jacob also went into Rachel and he loved Rachel more than Leah. He served when Laban, still another seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben and said, The Lord has surely looked on my attention, affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Then she conceived again and bore him a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, therefore he has given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. Rita Hayworth said, you know, I always thought if I got good reviews, I'd be happy. But life is so empty. It's never what I wanted ever. All I wanted was just what everybody else wants, you know, to be loved. Folks, that is the desire we all have. We just want to be loved in this life. But we miss that we are in many ways. She felt unattached, unasked unloved and unwanted because Sarah acting like a jerk when when Hagar bears and becomes pregnant Sarah becomes contemptible with her she despises her she gets angry with her and then she blames Abram and says you're responsible for my suffering I put my slave in your arms and when she saw that she was pregnant I became contemptible to her May the Lord judge me and you. Look, Sarah's acting like a jerk. Abram is acting like a wimp. And Hagar is just aching. She's hurting. She wants to be loved. Nobody wanted Hagar. Abram didn't want her. Sarah didn't want her at that point. She felt that her life was meaningless. President Nixon one time whispered to H.R. Haddleman, or Haldeman and said, you know, Bob, there's something I've never told anybody before, not even you. Every night since I've been president, every single night before I've gone to bed, I've knelt down on my knees beside my bed and I've prayed to God for guidance and help in this job. Last night before I went to bed, I knelt down and this time I prayed that I wouldn't wake up in the morning. I just couldn't face going on. Most of us have felt like that. You know, poll numbers are down. That's why, what was wrong with him. Everybody rejoicing when you're gone and out of the way. Man, sounds a lot like other presidents that we've seen in history. It sounds a lot like a number of folks. The conversations that are had, athletes, movie stars, whatever, you name them. People are on both sides. But that's what we're seeing happen in our world today. Social media has brought this out. You've got those that are as vocal that are in support as those that are not in support. And those that are not in support will tear people down until they get what they want about them. And they cheer when that person meets demise. I've never before seen it in my lifetime like this, but it's destructive. Unwanted, unasked, unattached, unloved. Hagar felt like what would happen if, you know, she just, didn't wake up in the morning. Kind of makes you wonder if FedEx and UPS were to come together, if it would be fed up. But you know, the reality of that is we all get fed up in life. But what we see in verses 7 through 16 of this chapter 
is this. In verses 7 through 16, we see that Hagar is finally understood. An angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, the one that we've talked about multiple times, probably the pre-incarnate Christ, um, he appears to her. First, he wanted her. He, he found her. You only find someone if you're looking for them. Look, God wants the unwanted. Remember, Adam and Eve had sinned, but God still found them. The prodigal son still smelled of the pig pen, but the father met him a long way off. Israel rejected the Messiah, but God still wanted them. Matthew 23, 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and the stones, those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. And he says, Hagar, he says, Hagar, Hagar, he calls her by name. He calls her by name. How many times have you had your name called out? And you become wowed by the person who calls your name. They know your name. I can think of multiple occasions in my life when somebody I never would have expected to know my name called me by name. I think of the first episode of The Chosen when Jesus takes Mary and says to her, I have called you by name. God knows your name. God knows our name. You might feel like Moses who was in the desert for 40 years. Nobody wanted him. But God from a burning bush says, Moses, Moses. And he, he found Hagar and he called her by name. And then he asked her something. Where have you come from? Finally, someone cares enough about her. One, to call her by name. Two, to ask her where she came from. Now, the unasked is being asked something. Nobody had interest in Hagar, but God did. And he asked her something. God does not ask for information because he needs it. He asks to show us that he is interested in our lives, that he has an interest. He's vested in our, our lives. He cares and he wants us to know that he cares. Look, you go through the Gospels, you'd be amazed at how many times Jesus asked his disciples questions. It must have made them feel wonderful in many ways. To know that Jesus cared about what they thought. And then in verse 9, this is so beautiful. Verse 9, the angel of the Lord said to her, go back to your mistress and submit to her authority. He gives her a purpose again. He attaches her once again. Go back and be united with her again. But we're also attached. 1 Corinthians 12. We're bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. We are the bride of Christ. We are attached to Christ.
Has your car battery ever gone dead? And you try to unattach the battery from from your car so that you can take it to see if the battery is good and, and you finally find the right size that wrench to attach and then you get it loosened and then you realize, oh, I need to use this again so you save it in a special place. Look, you're attached to Jesus. You have a gift that we all need. A perfect fit. It's a puzzle and you're the last piece and it and you're the perfect fit. You're the only fit for the puzzle. You are special. You belong. And God made sure that Hagar knew that. And then verses 10 through 16, she was loved. The angel of the Lord said, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude. The angel of the Lord said, behold, you are with child and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has heard your affliction. He will be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. You are El Roy. And then she named the well. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael. Meaning there was 15 more years before Isaac was born. 14. But look, God gave her a promise. He made her a promise. He made a promise. Have you ever been to a tailor? Had a suit tailor made or clothing tailored or, you know, prom when they, you get somebody to take up a dress or to take up a, a suit for you, you know, a wedding, all of these things I can think of where you get these clothes special made for you and, and they will fit no one else. They're form fit to you. They perfectly fit you. God has measured you. He promises exclusively to you the things for you. This is his love. So God gives her a promise and then he gives her his presence. He gives himself personally involved in her life. He sees he is with us and in us and intimately involved in our lives. And Judges 6.13, the Lord is with you is what Gideon was told. Job came to realize that God had not abandoned him. He was there all the time in Job 42. Look, he doesn't love us because of our worth, but because of what he has made us in Christ to be. Take a hundred dollar bill. If you ask someone if they want it, anyone would say yes. But if you were to wad it up and throw it in the dirt, step on it, it wouldn't matter. The hundred dollar bill is still going to be loved and accepted. I overheard or I, I saw someone. I, I, I wish I could remember who. But someone was asked what was, what was the answer to suffering. And he said, it's not the answer. It's Jesus himself. 
It's not a bunch of words. It is the word. It's not a tightly woven philosophical argument. It is a person, the person. The answer to suffering cannot just be an abstract idea because this isn't an abstract issue. It's a personal issue. It requires a personal response. The answer must be someone, not just something, because the issue involves someone, God. Folks, we got to understand that today. Look, do you feel unloved, unwanted, unasked, unattached? Come to Christ. Come to Christ. Receive that that he's giving you. He wants you to be loved. He loves you. He wants you to feel attached to him. He wants you. And he'll ask you where you came from, what you're doing. He'll ask you the questions. You'll find a helper who wants you, interested in you, and has a sense of belonging and love for you for time and eternity. He can do it because he died to pay for your sin on the cross. He gave you his righteousness so that you weren't unloved, so that you weren't unwanted. He proved his love for you on the cross. Today, are you willing to take the step toward him? Are you willing to put it in his hands? He knows you by name. And he's calling out. He's asking you where you're from, what 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 the problem is. He's interested in you. He loves you, he wants you, and he is asking you to be his. He wants you to be attached to him and only him today. Are you willing to take that step? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity once again to come around your word. Lord, I pray that we take a lesson from Hagar, that we learn that as Hagar was, Lord, you know us by name, you know our thoughts. You know what you've created us for and you have designed us to be. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to step out on that faith today. To step out into your love and your acceptance and your guidance in our lives. Go with us, Lord. Lead us, direct us. Continue to show us your glory, Father. We pray this in your holy and precious name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our services here on the Newland Christian Church Daily Devotional Podcast. This is our weekend service. You are welcome to join us. We have Sunday school at 10 a.m., service at 11 on Sunday mornings. Sunday evenings, we meet at 6 p.m., and on Wednesday evenings, we meet at 6 p.m. Every service is also streamed live on our Facebook page. You can get more information about Newland Christian Church at newlandchristianchurch.com or facebook.com slash newlandchristianchurch. Hope you have a blessed day in the Lord.